today, as Pastor Michael just prayed, is a special Sunday for us. Uh, we have the senior pastor of Living Hope Church with us, Josh Gomez, who will be bringing the word for us. And I'm telling you, having sat through the first service, I'm telling you, it is a word that I resonate with, and it is a word that our church and my soul needs. Um, the solution to lostness in a 25-mile radius of our church is not only Lakewood Ranch Baptist. We need many gospel-preaching churches. The statistics show that church plants baptize more people per capita than established churches. Uh, they just do, because you either grow or you die. That's what you sign up for. That's the deal with church planting. And so uh, I'm hopeful that in the years to come, our own church will be able to plant a congregation in our area. But at this point, we are partnering, as we always have been, with the North American Mission Board. And one of their church plants is Living Hope Church. Right now, they are meeting off university uh, down the road. I'll let Josh share a little bit more about that. But church, I want to let uh, you know that you can be a part of this. Their, their launch date is September the 18th, and some of you might want to participate in that just to fill a seat. Come to our first service and then quickly drive over there and participate in their launch. Give them a strong launch. I think if many of you would do that, that would really serve them well. And he's going to bring a message from Acts 2, and so I'll invite our scripture reader to come forward to read for us, and then Josh Comus will come preach God. Thank you so much for that word. Thank you, Pastor Rick, for the invitation to preach this morning. It is a privilege to be with you. And some of our core team members, Living Hope Church, are scattered around here, came to the 9 o'clock service. We're so thankful for this church, thankful for what God is doing here. Planted a few years ago, and to see what God has done, and that he has so graciously called us to be a part of planting a new church over uh, down uh, University towards Lockwood Ridge Road, and we'll be launching at Canaan Elementary. I don't know if any of your kids go there, but the Lord has directed us geographically, strategically, and and through uh, conversations with sister churches like Lakewood Ranch of where the needs are, that's where we want to be, and God's called us to be. So we're seeing God form together a new church, a nucleus, a family, through Bible studies and prayer and evangelism and outreach. And, and we've got several outreaches coming up to, to pave the way, to build momentum for launch. And, and of course, if you'd like to be a part of that, if you'd like to learn more about Launch Sunday or Launch Month or, or how, how does the church plant get going and how might we be involved, we've got a table out there. We'd love to meet you. We'd love to, to share some of that information with you. But, but please know that we're so thankful for your prayers, support. Uh, that's how God works. That's how his, his power moves. And Pastor Michael, we have been praying for you. It's really good to see you. I'm really grateful that God is, is answering prayers and, and bringing you back. And we're going to pray for you at the end of the sermon. As a, You're going to help me uh, apply the word this morning. We're going to pray over you as a church. And, and I invite you all to be a part of that in a moment. Uh, I, as, as Pastor Rick said, I am a church planner with the North American Mission Board. So that is you know Canada, United States, Puerto Rico. Uh, the Southern Baptists have a strategic reach and one of the most strategic uh, arms for their North American missions is church planting. And I want to encourage you that when churches work together for the kingdom, God does incredible things that we would have never imagined. For, for example, since 2010, Southern Baptists, which is just one part of God's kingdom, right? There are believers in other denominations, one part of the kingdom, but in Southern Baptist Convention, we've planted 8,200 churches in North America, Right? Since 2010, that, that's mind-boggling. It's incredible. And the baptisms, the evangelism, God is working. Florida Baptists, I don't think I shared this at the previous service, but Florida Baptists report that about 10% of baptisms reported from Southern Baptist churches, over 10% come from the state of Florida. Did you know that? 
God is doing a work here and we are thrilled to be a part. And we pray that this will be a movement of making disciples led by the Spirit of God for the glory of God like we saw in the early church in the book of Acts. Wouldn't it be awesome to see that kind of movement take place right here, right now, we get to be a part of that. And the Lord's really been working in my heart as I've been studying the book of Acts and I've been, right, as a church planter, you know, what is the church? What is a healthy church? How do we become the church that God wants us to be? A lot of those questions get answered in the book of Acts. So I've been spending a lot of time there and praying. And as I was praying through, God, what do you want me to share with, with this precious established church and, and with also our core team as we prepare and build up towards launch? How can we see your work, your supernatural work that you did in the early days and see that in a similar way today in Lakewood Ranch and Ellington and North Sarasota and Florida and beyond? And the Lord has drawn me to a reality that was present in the life of the early church that honestly has been missing from from a big part of my life, and I've been challenged on that. And maybe this is is something that God is working on your church as well. So I want to ask a question. Maybe it seems unrelated at first, but I don't think that it is. If you want to see the powerful work of God, how is y'all's prayer life? Now, I'm sure you would say, Hey, my my prayer life is really important, right? On a scale of 10, prayer has got to be up there. Nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10, prayer is super important for my relationship with Jesus. And that is absolutely true. Jesus had a prayer life, intimate with the Father. God alone had his quiet time, and you should as well. But notice I use the word y'all. I don't know if you spent any time in North, South Carolina, Virginia. Do you know what y'all means? If not, I'm going to educate you, okay? Because I, I learned this in, in years serving there. Y'all means two or more, okay? So I say, how is y'all's prayer life? The early church shows us that prayer is not this individualistic thing. Just you and God, Jesus is riding shotgun, you're at the wheel, and, uh, and that's it. Prayer is meant to be a corporate, a church body-wide act of worship. This is what unleashes the power of God when we seek his face together. So turn with me to the book of Acts, where we see that the church must steadfastly pray together to see God's powerful work. And there's four reasons given why we must pray together. The first is humility. Prayer humbles the church, and we need that. But, but I do want to take a moment and say, you know, I don't want to assume that everyone here understands what a church is and, and how to have a relationship with Jesus. We just assume all that. No, the, the church is the disciples of Jesus Christ, those who encountered the resurrected Christ, who were saved and washed by his grace, by his sacrifice on the cross. They gave their lives to him and he became their Lord and Savior. And from then on, He was their Lord directing their way and gathering the family of God together for God's glory. It's the church. It's not a building. It's people. People whose lives are changed and are still being changed today by the same gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. And we're going to spend a lot of time talking about prayer and talking to God. And maybe you're in a place right now, like uh, like that band, what is it? Um, No More Faith? I think No More Faith is the name of the band and and their lyric line. I'm praying to a God I don't believe in. Maybe that's where you're at. 
Sounds crazy to you? Why would I waste my time talking to a God that I don't even think exists? And I hope you'll be encouraged and challenged from the word this morning that there is a God. There is a God in heaven. There's a Savior for all men. His name is Jesus Christ. And he invites you into the same personal relationship of love that we are talking about. And I would hope and pray that you would be open to that invitation because Jesus has changed my life. And if you are humble and open and willing to receive that good news, that offer is good for you as well. So humility is how we enter into that relationship with Jesus. He says, die to yourself, follow me, listen to my word. And a disciple says, okay, faith, I, I trust you. I, I have to turn from the way that I was walking and I follow you. So Jesus' disciples, they encounter him as the risen, resurrected Christ. And he tells them in Matthew 28, verses 18 to 20, based on my authority as risen Lord, the Son of God, slain before the foundation of the world, and now I'm going to ascend to heaven and I'm going to rule over the church to see the will of God fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, and I will be with you always. Then you get to the book of Acts, and we're told in Acts 1-4, a similar wording from Jesus, because Luke is, is, is uh, bridging the gap between the gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. It's a two-part narrative. And Jesus says, I got a mission for you, but before you go, do not leave Jerusalem. You can't go unless I go with you but I'm going to the Father, I will send a similar helper to you. I will send the Holy Spirit. What do we need the Holy Spirit for? I, can't I just follow Jesus on my own, right? Not even close. The Spirit has been unifying the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit from eternity past. And to be brought into the heart of God requires the Spirit of God, requires his fruit. Requires his power and his presence. Jesus says, he is like unto me. He is my spirit and he sent from the Father and from me to you. And the disciples ask a weird question in, in chapter one, verse six. Do you see that? Hey, Jesus, is this the time where you restore your kingdom to Israel? Man, they've been asking this question a lot all through Jesus' ministry. Hey, Jesus, when you enter into your kingdom, who's gonna have the most powerful position? Who's gonna sit at your right hand and your left hand? And they even get their mom in on it, right? Like it's not enough that James and John ask for themselves, they gotta get mom involved. Hey, Jesus, can, can my boys have a place of prominence in your kingdom, 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 and, and you know, kingdom on earth and restore the nation of Israel? And Jesus says, it's not, it's not for you to know times and seasons, all right? Empty yourself of those plans, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. What is he saying? He's saying, empty yourself, humble yourself. You have no clue what God has prepared for you. Receive the things that I have prepared for you. Follow me, abide in my spirit. And that's where the power comes from, the presence of God. So I'm talking about the power of God. I'm talking about prayer. And you're, you're probably thinking, are you, are you crazy? Why, why are you saying that corporate prayer, praying together, is how we see the power of God at life in our church? Look with me at verse 14. What are they doing? Do they listen to Jesus? Do they wait with expectant open hands? They do. 
all these with one accord were devoting themselves to what? Prayer. Together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. In Acts 1.24, they, they need to make a decision on, on calling an apostle to take the place of Judas who betrayed Jesus. They rely on Jesus' direction there. They're still waiting. They're still gathering. They're still praying. They're waiting for him to show up and keep his promise to send a spirit. And boy, does he. Acts chapter two, verses one through four. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Presumably praying, just like they were in chapter one. It's what they're doing when they're together. There came from heaven a sound like mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So take note of this. There's one place. They're all together. All the disciples. The Spirit of God comes and he fills them. There's some other supernatural things happening here as well, right? The sound of mighty rushing wind, the tongues of fire appearing over their heads. The church is born. The Spirit has been sent. It inaugurates the new covenant age, the New Testament age. And they're filled with the Holy Spirit. The presence and the power of God is with them. So now they go outside the house. Now they go out in the streets and proclaim the gospel. And what happens? Three thousand people come to Christ in one day based on the sermon. Not before the Spirit comes, after the Spirit comes. And they've been waiting for him. They've been praying for him to show up and to work through them. Do you think the disciples ever could have imagined such a revival? Honestly, could you imagine such a revival? Seems crazy. 3,000 people coming to faith in Christ. I think we need to have a strategy meeting. All right? Pastor Michael, Pastor Rick, Taylor, let's get together. Okay, let's strategize. How are we gonna reach this community for Christ and, and look out and look out in the, the flock and okay, who's got what gifts? We need to start figuring out because it's the giftedness that brings the power of God, right? You know, and we're we're looking at the gifts and no, they looked to God and God brought the results. There is a lesson there for all of us. So what do you think God wants to do with this church? That can only happen when we seek his face and we humble ourselves and we pray. It can't just be two or three people. Four people in this church seeking God's face. You wanna see God's power through this church? It takes the body. The body aligning itself under the headship of Jesus Christ and under his glory and under his power. Has there ever been a time in your life where you've experienced a sudden loss? some really difficult news. A big change has come about. And whatever that was, I'm sure in that moment you were not thankful that that was taken away. That person, that relationship, that job, that school that you wanted to get into, whatever it was. God, why? Why did you take that away? I think back to a, to a period in, in my wife and I's life in ministry where we were part of a church, a, a thriving church, a growing church, a busy church. And then conflict came, division came. God started taking away. 
and pruning and chopping down that tree that had grown a disease. And as I sat there on my kitchen floor, crying my eyes out, because I got another phone call, another loss, another terrible news, God, why on earth are you taking away? It's because he wanted to give us something better. He wanted to give us the fullness of himself and his plan for us, that he works all things together for good for those who love God. And we saw him do that, but it was painful and it hurt. But when we gather together to pray, we say, God, we're not waiting for the worst case scenario and you gotta start chopping limbs off. We wanna yield our whole body to you now, willingly. Take what we have, empty us, and work through us. Not only does prayer humble us, we see that prayer unites the church. Look at Acts 2, verses 42 to 44. Thank you, my brother, for reading that passage for us. This is a glimpse in the life of the church. 3,000 souls added to those 120 disciples. Wow, what were they doing? What happens when the church is born? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. They're actually pretty simple, ordinary people like you and I. They're not these super spiritual saints. But there's something we need to note here. And one theologian, I, Howard Marshall, said, these are not fragmented activities, like disjointed acts of the body. Someone's studying the Bible over here. Someone's fellowshipping over here. We got some prayer going on sporadically. No, when the church gathers, they're devoted to the prayers, plural. So that means formal prayers, right? Prayer in worship, prayer at the end of worship, benediction, but also informal, praying for one another, praying for God to work and move and fill them and, and encourage them and help them. Prayer was like breathing and eating, just like they broke bread. We're all getting a little hungry, right? We're, we're gonna go get lunch after this. As, as common as it was for the church to break bread, they were praying. They were praying together when they gathered because they enjoyed being at the feet of Jesus and communing with God and one another. It was a habit. Is it a habit of ours to spend time with the Father? Spend time at the feet of our Savior and to pray in the Spirit, to realize it's not just me and God. I have the Spirit of God that has brought me into the Holy of Holies. In a relationship with God, my prayers are heard before the throne of God. This is the activity of the church. It's a primary ministry. Just like you have your discipleship ministry. Just like you have serving. This is a ministry and it must be up there right with the word of God. We wanna be fed the word. Praise God for that. But how does the word actually change my life? Don't forget about the Holy Spirit of God. We seek his face and we ask him to work in us. For our church plant, We've got our core team. We can all fit in, under our roof right now. What do we do? We, we spend time in the Word. We share a meal together. We encourage each other. We get to know each other. We fellowship, but we also spend time in prayer. And God's convicted me. What, I need to make this an even bigger priority in our church life, and, and God needs to give me wisdom on how to do that. We've got to pray together. And I'm encouraged that even in our small church team, I've seen them love in big ways, which reminds me of the early church, right? It says they have all things in common. 
They even share their belongings. They sell their belongings and they give to those in need. How do you get that generous? How do you give away that much? How do you feel the response to meet needs and not just sit in a chair, soak in a sermon, go home unchanged? It was the Spirit of God moving them together to meet one another's needs. Because if you're sitting next to a brother or sister in a small group, or you're sitting next to somebody after the service and you're talking and open up your heart together and you pray for one another, and you find out about a need, how much do you have to hate your brother or sister to not act on that? Hey, we, we, gotta, get, we gotta get a GoFundMe together. Hey, we gotta, we gotta get some food over to this person. Hey, we need to uh, call the pastors to pray over this sick person. There is movement because the Spirit moves us, and you'll find all the way up to Acts 6, not one time do you find one person just praying by themselves. You should, but we don't stop there. The love of God draws us in as we seek his face together, and I think the reason that is is because we know where the head is. Point number one, we're humble. We're following the Lord's leadership, and where you find the head What's attached to the head? The body. We're unified. Because there's no competition here. We're all just a bunch of nobodies that Jesus found and changed us and brought us together. He's the head of our flock. You keep Jesus at the head, the body will follow. The body will be unified. And praise God for that. But don't make the mistake of thinking, well, we don't have any conflict around here. There's no yelling and shouting going on. We're unified. That's a mistake. The absence of conflict does not show unity. Dependence on the Spirit of God together is where unity is found. We don't assume it. We go to it together. Married couples, what a great example. You made a covenant to come together. You're married. Till death do us part. Satan wants to rip you two apart. And what's your greatest weapon to fight for your marriage? It's prayer. Praying for your spouse. And I would encourage you to take it a step further. Pray out loud with your spouse. It's one of the best things that's happened in my marriage with Lacey and I. And it's been in recent years that I realized we've got to pray together. Not just for food. For our marriage. For our family. For our kids. For our gospel witness. And by the way, practical tip, it's hard to be mad at somebody you're praying with. Okay? So maybe that that helps a little bit navigate the conflict that happens in our home. Unifies, prayer unifies. Thirdly, prayer empowers the church. We already saw Acts 2.42. It's a primary ministry of the church. But look at Acts 4. Flip over with me to Acts 4. The apostles are preaching the gospel again. Souls are being saved. And the Jews are getting mad about it again. Okay, you can see this pattern over and over. So the Pharisees, they arrest the disciples, a couple of the apostles. They threaten them. They intimidate them. These aren't empty threats. They are the ones who, who had Jesus sent to the cross. They, they, I mean, they, they're the ones who are going to kill Stephen in a couple chapters here. But when the disciples are released and they go home, look at verse 31. They went home and told the church not to complain, not to call up their lawyers, although, you know, it's not bad to know some good lawyers. They went home and they prayed, God, please give us boldness to share the gospel. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken. 
and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Look at that. God shakes the very building where they're at and he fills them with the Holy Spirit. Now, wait a minute. I thought the Holy Spirit came in Acts chapter two. Did they lose the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit came back again? Is this a second Pentecost type situation? No, what, what does the scripture mean by spirit filled? One theologian, um, he, he explains this so well, and this is a great definition. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to write it down. This is a thought that's been on my mind and on my heart. Spirit-filled, being spirit-filled is a renewed awareness of the Spirit's power and presence in our life and witness. I'll say that again. Being spirit-filled is a renewed awareness of the Spirit's power and presence in our life and witness. So God fills them with the Spirit. They prayed for boldness and God gave them an awareness. Do you realize who you have within you? The very Spirit of God. The power of God to share the gospel, to live the gospel, to even love your enemy and to be bold in the face of persecution. You have everything that you need in me. Philippians 4.13 rings a little bit differently when you think of it that way. I can do all things through Christ, who what? Strengthens me. Church. Do we want to be a strong, healthy church? Then we must depend on the strength that comes from above. Our power comes not from our own self-will and determination or our theological knowledge, although that is good and helpful. Not even from our own obedience. Oh, I obeyed the Lord, therefore... Therefore, God blessed. God blesses by the power of his spirit. He directs the spirit. We depend on him. And I'm so encouraged to see this church, just in the, in the few interactions I've had with you all, to see that you have a monthly prayer meeting on Wednesday night. Uh, there's prayer going on over here before the worship. I know you pray in your community groups. I know you're praying for your vacation Bible school. I know you're praying for those in your midst that are going through hard times. So let me just say, and Pastor Rick did not pay me to say this, okay, but your prayer meeting, I think the early church would say that's a mandatory ministry of the church. That's an every member ministry of the church. And if your work schedule or something doesn't allow you to, to come in that one hour on Wednesday night, guess what? No one is telling you you can't start a prayer meeting in your house or a prayer meeting at Panera. And then even believers can see what what is this? The, I sense the presence of God with these people because they're depending on him in all things. And I pray that Living Hope Church, Lakewood Ranch Baptist Church, will reach the nations with the gospel, will saturate this community with the gospel. We're not gonna do it on our own. We're not gonna reach one person for Christ unless the spirit of God is moving in the midst. So what's that first step look like for you? Maybe you're a small group leader or community group leader, as you guys call them, and you say, you know what, I'm not satisfied with the traditional model of we share prayer requests for 10 minutes, and then we kind of cap off our community group time with two minutes of prayer at the end. That's not the power of God. We're gonna set aside 20 minutes to pray this next week. Or we're gonna start with prayer, and when we're done praying, then we'll get in the Word. But even if you have less time in the Word and discussion, guess what? I bet you're gonna have a more profitable time because it's the Spirit who's leading that discussion, 
Not just everyone's like, well, I think it says this. I think the passage says this. What does God say? Give him the first say. Seek his face. Students. I was a student pastor for a number of years, and I know one of the biggest struggles that our students had is feeling the courage to pray out loud. It's a scary thing. What if I don't find the right words? I want to encourage you. Find a leader. Find a pastor. Find a mature believer that you respect. Go up to them and say, hey, I need to learn how to pray. Can you help me with that? And we see God work through that as mature generations, help the younger generations of students. You can even help each other. I know God's working in your youth group. Pray with each other. Pray out loud for each other. Greeters, you're the front door of the church. So you see the people when they're struggling. You see people running out with tears in their eyes. Respond in prayer and minister to them. Nursery workers, when you're rocking those little ones, what an important ministry that you pray over those little ones. Pray for their salvation. Pray for their families. Pray for their one day spiritual growth and for God to bless them. And I'm going to lead us in that first step of application at the, at the conclusion of this message that we will actually pray out loud together. And I will, I'm giving you a warning, okay? Introverts, be warned. You find two, three people in your row and you pray together. There'll be some music playing, okay? So you don't have to be so self-conscious about how loud or shrill your voice is. But we will pray together because I believe that you, as I do, want to see the power of God in our lives and in our church. Here's the fourth point, and then I'm done. Prayer strengthens the faith of the church. Prayer strengthens the faith of the church. Just look at Acts 12. I'll briefly recap the story. Herod Agrippa kills James, one of the apostles. Then he takes Peter. He's gonna do the same thing to him. He's already determined. He holds the power, he holds the authority, he holds the sword. And after Passover, he's gonna do the same thing to Peter that he did to James. It's pretty much guaranteed Except one thing, this one thing. If you look over in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, Peter was kept in prison, but earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. Earnest prayer made for him by the church. So the night before he's going to get his head taken off his shoulders, God sends the angel of the Lord. He kicks Peter on the side tells him to get up, the chains fall off, the prison doors open, the guards don't respond, don't see any of this. He walks them outside the prison, around the corner, down a side street, and the angel of the Lord leaves. Peter is set free, miraculously. But here's the thing. Peter was not looking for that. He thought he was dreaming. Then he came to himself and realized, this is, this is real. And then he goes to where the saints are praying. He knows they're going to be praying at John Mark's house. And he knocks on the door. Rhoda answers it. You know anyone named Rhoda? It's a good name. I met a lady named Rhoda a couple months ago. She lives in this community. You meet her. Love her. Right? Rhoda answers the door. What? Peter? Peter's out of prison? I got to tell everybody. She runs in and, and she tells the group that's praying. And they are not surprised at all. Because they're super spiritual, holy people. They said, we were praying that God would do an amazing work. We were ready for this. No, they didn't. They're just like you and me. They have unbelief just like you and I. They say, okay, you're crazy. Peter's not outside the gate, right? 
if anything, that's his ghost. He's already dead. Maybe that's his ghost knocking on the door. But I mean, how morbid is that? It's like, it's a little pessimistic, right? Did not expect God to do that. But you know what they were doing? They were praying together. And God answered exceedingly and above all that they could ask or think. He is doing it to this day. Now, does that look like letting someone out of prison? Does that look like healing leprosy? Causing the blind to see? Even in my, the deepest part of my heart, do I kind of doubt that God would do that today? I believe, Lord, help my unbelief. So when we pray and we seek God's face together, we watch him do things that you and I would have never even think to ask for. He wants to give us what we ask for and show us even more of who he is. He's in the business of doing amazing things every single day. And yet in modern Christianity, we can get by with our marketing techniques, with our attractional services, with, uh, you know, a cup of coffee at the door and, you know, just, just love people in and that's how you grow a church. God grows the church. The Spirit of God saves lives. The Spirit of God changes hearts. And he's doing that to this day, but we must seek his face and depend fully on him. And when we do, our faith will be strengthened. It will be because it's God's means for us to know his power. And in my journey, God's called me to plant a church, literally see a church spring up out of the ground where there's, there's nothing there. So we walk by faith and we pray and we study the word and we share the gospel and we do it again the next week. And slowly but surely, God's building his church. I can't explain it. Most of these people, they're not there because of me or because I invited them. They just showed up. <laughs> this is what God does. And if you want God to show up for a vacation Bible school, if he doesn't show up, is it worth having vacation Bible school? If you're gonna go through all that work and have a whole work day after worship next week, maybe we should pray and ask him to show up and ask God to do a work that we wouldn't believe hardly if we saw it. In conclusion, I want us to take away just, just how important and vital it is to depend on the Lord in all things, to, to pray, to pray together. And so how we're going to right now actually show the Lord if, if this is true of our lives, and we want this to be true in our churches, we are going to pray. And here's what I'm going to ask us to do. You find a partner and you pray. If you need some prayer prompts, pray for Pastor Michael for his help, his health and his healing and his family. Pray for this church. Pray for the unity of Lakewood Ranch Baptist Church. We ask your prayer for Living Hope Church as we plant and get started. Um, I ask your prayer for that we would strategically partner together and with other churches to make an impact on that lostness in the nations for the gospel. And as the Lord leads you, pray in other matters as well. And I'll ask a, a musician to come up and pray, play for us. And as we pray together fervently, seek the Lord's face. Enjoy that time. Enjoy it. Don't check your watch. Just enjoy that time. And then after a few moments, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to come over to Brother Michael, lay hands on him, and I welcome any, any other pastors or those that, that would like to do that and pray over him. And, and as a church, we boldly believe that God can do above all that we can ask or think. So let's pray like it. Join me in prayer.